Good morning to everybody I haven't greeted yet today. I do want to add, with all these regulations, please spare a moment in prayer for people wearing glasses and masks. Um, if you've ever had to drive in the wintertime with the cold air, you will see the glass fogging up. Yeah, well, that happens in here, except I don't have an aircon. So <laughs> just remember that. I think um, you can open up your Bibles in First Peter chapter 2. And I actually started um, going through this epistle. I checked the other day. I think it was about three and a half years ago, and we're in chapter 2 now. Now, that sounds fancy, except I don't get to preach every Sunday. So, <laughs> but it, it is nice to sometimes have it in the, in the preaching hour and sometimes in the teaching hour. It, it, the styles differ a little bit, but I think there's still a lot that we can learn from this. And it's really been a blessing to me, um, at least. So, yeah, brother, thanks for the opportunity. Um, but now, yeah, since, since it is our Bible study time, and um, before we pray, I... I just want to share with you why I actually started with the book of First Peter chapter two. Oh, well, First Peter, not chapter two. First Peter. Um, you see, and I've actually made mentions in this in my previous lessons and sermons. But these people that Peter was writing to was right, uh, was undergoing some enormous violent persecution. And I won't go into that detail. If you want more on that, you can listen to the previous lessons. Um, but they were under this um, emperor of Rome called Nero. If you've ever heard that name, you've probably heard that he was quite a wicked man. And Peter wrote this epistle so that the believers um, that he was writing to, who were the victims of this persecution of this terrible emperor, that they would know how to act in the circumstances. Um, and I believe that even though it is good to hear these things while you are being persecuted, um, it is also profitable for us to look at it, even though we are not going through the same kind of persecution that they were going. Um, and remember, persecution is not a contest. Um, but I think that the reason, I have three reasons that I could think of why this is important for us to go through. Firstly, it helps us to be ready to know how we should act if persecution ever comes knocking at our door. Because remember, we're not guaranteed that it won't ever happen in our lifetimes. And even now, we can also face persecution in our country, even though it may not have the same form that you normally hear of um, when people go through persecution. You know, we, we might not see the kind of violent stuff happening over here and so on. But there's still a form of that, you know. Uh, people have always been um, anti-God and anti-Christ in that way. So what does God expect from us when that happens to us? Maybe in the workplace or at school or whatever it may be. Well, this epistle addresses that. Number two, it helps us to know how we should pray for those believers that are undergoing this terrible persecution. Sorry, I should stick this thing on here. You know, I don't know about you, but whenever I get down to pray for those people, and I really want to, I get stuck. I'm, I'm not entirely sure what to pray for. You know, sometimes you read the news story, and you've got some of the details, and you can pray for that, but what do I pray for? God help them, and that's, that's about where my, where my prayer stops. But when I read this, you know, I've asked you to open in First Peter chapter 2, 
And let's take, for instance, the, the last part that we got, went through the previous time I, that, uh, that was actually a live stream, but was from verse 13. So read verse 13. It says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors and so on and so forth. So we can pray, Well, Lord, please help those saints to submit themselves to every ordinance of man and so on and so forth. You know, please help them to keep a good testimony throughout all of this. I think that's a legitimate prayer that we can, that we can pray. Thirdly, I think it, it helps us to know how we should act right now in a time where we don't see violent persecutions against Christians in South Africa because at the end of the day, folks, there is not much difference between what the Lord expects from somebody being persecuted and somebody not being persecuted. There's not much difference. Um, obviously, we, we can go in some details there, but there are some things that we can always apply in our lives so that we can please the Lord that bought us. Because that's the aim, isn't it? We want to please the Lord. Because at the end of the day, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness so that the man of God may be truly furnished unto all good works. That's 2 Timothy 3 verse 16. So every single part of Scripture is profitable for us. And sometimes I think it's very plain, like um, here in First Peter chapter 2 especially, um, in just practical things on what you can do in everyday Christian life. So I, I just wanted to start off with that so that you don't think that, well, we're not going through persecution. This really doesn't have anything to do with me. Um, it does. It really does. It, it applies to you. Every single bit of this applies to every single one of us, even the uncomfortable parts, <laughs> you know, as we saw last time and as we will continue with today. But with that said, let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you so much for being with us today. We thank you, Lord. It's such a beautiful day, and it's so wonderful to be able to return to some normality again, to just take another step forward with, with this Bible study hour and the main service and having our songbooks out and all of that, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are always faithful in being with us. Lord, we ask that you will please bless the Sunday school classes that are going on with the kids. Help those teachers, Lord, and please work in those kids' hearts, Lord. Father, please work in our hearts today and um, please bless this lesson so that we may all learn more about you and what you expect from us and help us to apply it, Lord. Thank you for all that you do and thank you for being with us. Amen. Amen. Now, as I said, um, the last time that I was here, we looked at verse 13 to verse 15 and we, we sort of ended this section short, I want to say, because I, I basically ran out of time. And I'd, I'd like to finish the section. It actually stretches from verse 13 to verse 17. So let's just read that quickly. First Peter 2, verse 13. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. So we looked at this last time. For so is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free 
and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Now, in this context, as we saw here, Paul, oh, oh, sorry, not Paul, Peter, is, is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and telling us that we should submit to every ordinance of man and, and, and to the government, basically, and all their ordinances. And in the greater context of this, he's basically spelling out to us how you can keep a good testimony in this world and in this society and all of that. Um, and he says that, if you look at verse 13 again there, um, in, the, in the middle, he says, it is for the Lord's sake. That's why we should do these things. It's for the Lord's sake. I don't think I mentioned this last time, but this section starts off a series of three sections where Peter actually addresses um, submission in the, in the Christian life. Here in verse 13 to 17 that we just read, he speaks about submitting to the government, as I've already said. And the question is why? Why should we submit to the government? Well, verse 15, For so is the will of God, that with well-doing he may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Do you want to know what the will of God is for your life? Well, for so is the will of God. There you've got it. That is why we should submit. It is the will of God that we should submit to them so that the critics of Christianity can be silenced. And then from verse 18 to verse 25, he tells servants to be in submission to their masters, even if their masters abuse them or, or make life extremely difficult for them. Now, we can translate this relationship between servants and masters as the relationships we have now with employees and, and, and employers. It's, it's basically the same thing. But why should a servant put up with that? Well, Peter explains that. He says when they do, they are acting just like Jesus. <laughs> and then from chapter 3 and verse 1 to 6, he, instruct, he instructs wives to be in submission to their husbands even if their husbands are not believers. Now, I think for some that may be a little counterintuitive, but, but why should they do that? And we'll get into this a little bit deeper whenever we, we reach chapter 3. But he says because their unbelie unbelieving husbands may actually be one for the Lord if they see their wives' godly conduct in their lives. Now, like I said, we'll go deeper into that uh, at some point in the future if the Lord allows but it struck me as I, as I went through this that the instruction that we are getting here from the Lord is completely different than the type of instruction that you would get from the world, isn't it? I mean, the world would tell us that, well, if you don't like your husband or if he doesn't agree with your faith, whatever it may be, you can just leave him. <laughs> now, I, I'm not referring to special cases such as abuse and, and adultery and things like that. I mean, there are biblical ways to to address those things and, and, and maybe at some point we'll, we'll go through that. But the message that we are getting from the world is that it is almost, I want to say normal to, to divorce if you are not, you know, what they say, compatible. And then if the world tells us that if your boss isn't treating you right, then you don't have to take that. I mean, stand up to the guy. I mean, feel free to rebel against him. That's the advice from the, from the world. And, and of course, if you don't like the government or any of their ordinances or laws or regulations, I think that's a word we're very familiar with for the past year, regulations, 
Well, then the world tells us that you're fine to rebel against that. You just, just go ahead and rebel. But the Lord is different. He's so different. He tells us to submit. That is the wisdom of God. You know, that is how we are actually going to make a difference in this world and actually be functioning members within society. That is what he wants. Even though we are strangers and pilgrims in this place, as, he, as Peter says there in, in verse 11, this place is not our home, that's true. We're just living here for now. You know, we're just passing through, as the song says. No. Um, but, but God wants us to function here and to have good testimonies and to testify about him in this place. And so we read here again in, in verse 15, if you will read with me. For so is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free. And we'll stop there. All right, so like I said in verse 15, we looked at that last time. You know, if we live in this world and we have good testimonies, we will show to the world that their bias toward us is false. They will see that. And that means that we will, by our good testimonies, shut the mouths of those people that are always looking for something to criticize Christians with. But now here in verse 16, he starts off with, as free. Because we're free. Folks, we are free, and I don't see even one smile. <laughs> we are free in Christ. Let me explain it to you. All right, in John chapter 8, and verse 34, Jesus says, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And that means that if you commit sin, you are a slave to sin. It's the same word. That servant and slave is the same thing. You are in bondage to sin, and you can't get away from it. Not by yourself. Uh, if you are, you are without Christ, then sin is your master, and you are its slave. It's not a good situation. Paul says a little bit more about this in Romans 6, so I think let's turn to Romans 6. Romans chapter 6. And here he explains a little about this relationship. We'll get there from verse 16. Romans 6 and verse 16. He says there, <clears throat> sorry, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey. Okay? Let me put that in plain language. If you are obeying somebody, he's your master. All right? That, that, that's basically what he's saying there. Um, I lost my place. All right. Whether of sin unto death, so if you, if you obey sin, that's going to be unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. Okay? But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. So he's writing this to believers already. He says, ye were the servants of sin. So it sounds like something's changed. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. What's that? That's the gospel. They've obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. They've put their faith in Christ so that they can be saved. So... That has changed um, who their master is. He says there in verse 18, Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. So you see that something's changed. The, the, the master in this instance has changed. They've first been the master of, or, or their master has been sin, and now 
They are the servants of righteousness. So they've, they've moved out from that. Look at verse 20. Uh, for when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. That just makes sense. If you're the servant of sin, you're free of this master, the righteousness master. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? So he says, before you were saved, you just did a bunch of sin. What do you have left from that? There's nothing. What fruit do you have? He says there at the end, for the end of those things is death. There's nothing. It's, it's, it's useless. It's totally worthless, everything that you've done. And he says, I like how it says, those things whereof ye are now ashamed. Amen, that's me too. I'm so ashamed of so many things I did before I got saved. Verse 22, but now, don't you like the but now as well? But now, being made free from sin, so You've got the sin master here. You're free from him now and become servants to God. Ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end, everlasting life. Now you have everlasting fruit. That's the everlasting life. So you've moved out. If you're saved, you've moved out from the sin master and you've moved under God. But you're still a servant. Notice that. You're still a servant. Verse 23 Famous verse, most of us know this one. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. His gift is eternal life and that you are his servant now. That's a gift. That's a gift. You know, you, you, are, you have received a new master. You've received the good shepherd as your new master. That is true freedom. Folks, if you are born again today, you are free from sin. You are free from the curse of the law because as Galatians 3 verse 13 tells us, Christ redeemed us from that curse. You are free from the fear of death. Now why is that? Well, we, we still die. Obviously we still die. Um, but death only becomes the door that you go through to meet your Savior on the other side. That's all it is. Why should I fear death? It's the best thing that can happen to me at this stage. You know, you're free from sin. You're free from the curse of the Lord. You're free from the fear of death. You're free from Satan. And you're free from the world. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 36, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. That's true freedom, folks. That's true freedom. And so let's go back to First Peter chapter 2. He's saying there that God wants us to silence the, uh, those that criticize the faith by doing good and specifically by submitting to the government in, in this instance, in this context, and their ordinances. And we sub submit to them as those that are truly free. And look at there at the end of verse 16. But as the servants of God, we submit to them because we are free and because we are the servants of God. Those two go hand in hand. We are free to be the servants of God. But now, like with anything else, this freedom should be used correctly. He says here in verse 16, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness. Let's define a few words here. This word liberty... It's basically the same thing as freedom. 
Right? So it's the same type of word as you have there at the beginning of the verse, as free. Same, same type of idea there. And then when he mentions a cloak, he's, he's basically talking about, you know, it's like a piece of material that you have and you, you cover something with it. And I think in this context specifically, it means to hide something with it. All right? And lastly, this word maliciousness. Um, if you can get your tongue around that word, it, it, it basically means wickedness. Okay? It's, it's sinful behavior. So Peter is saying here that you should not be using your Christian freedom as a covering or, or, or something to hide your sinful heart with. You, think, you see, some people think that now that they are free in Christ, they basically have a license to sin. And you see that all over the place. You know, they, they like to tell themselves, oh, well, it's all under the blood. It's all under the blood. Well, yes, it is, but... Don't, don't think that you can just abuse the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ like that, you know, and, and get away with it even. You know, Christian freedom should never be used as some sort of license or a pass to commit all sorts of wickedness, whatever is going on inside of your heart. You know, that's sin, folks. That's sin. God hates that. Now, when I say that, I, I realize that some people might be thinking, oh, yeah, of course, he's talking about stuff like murder and theft and, and so on. Well, yeah, I think, I think I am. But not only that. It's not only that, you know. Um, many of these things are, are stuff that nobody else will probably ever know about. No, no one here on earth, though. Uh, we know the Lord sees into every heart, don't we? But, yeah, you know, some, some Christians cheat on their taxes, and they, they try to hide things from the tax man in, in, in some smart way or whatever, and, and, or, or they just pay too little of their taxes, for instance. You know, and, they, and they do that because they think, well, I'm not of this world. You know? why, why should I pay anything for this world? This place is going to burn anyway. Why should I do that? You know, they think their citizenship is in heaven, which is true, it is. You know? But they think that they are now free from the law of this world, and they are actually above the law of this world. You're not. <laughs> You're not. You know, other people, and perhaps this is something that will hit a little closer to home to most of us, I think. Other people just simply disobey the traffic laws. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but that's something, you know. Maybe, maybe some, some of us were guilty of that this morning coming here. You know, and as we've seen... <laughs> I'm being asked to move on. <laughs> now let's camp here for a while. I, I, I think let's talk about traffic laws. <laughs> All right. But, but you see, we can see from this passage that disobeying even traffic laws, folks, um, is sinful. <laughs> it is. Call it what it is, you know. Folks, we are free from sin, but we are not free to sin. All right. We are not free to sin. And you can't... There we've got an amen. Thank you, brother. We've got one amen. It's something that we should look on, you know. I, I, I talked about traffic laws. It can be anything in your life. It really can be anything that we're talking about. But you see, the thing is that somebody who is rebellious at heart and always just claiming freedom in Christ, they are using... The, uh, the freedom that they have in Christ as that cloak of, to, to cover up their sin. 
that's in their heart. But folks, we are free. Praise God for that. We are free. Okay, Let's not take anything away from that. But we are free to be the servants of God and do what He says. We are free to do what is right and not to do what is wrong. Okay, so I think that's enough about that. Let's, let's go to verse 17 before I talk about other pet sins. Verse 17. Honor all men. Honor all men. That's simple enough, isn't it? I think we can all understand that. Honor all men. Um, first off, who is that? Who are these all men? Well, I think it's plain and simple. We can look at that verse again. <laughs> honor all men. It is all men. Okay? We should honor all of them, every single person. From those that, that I think the world would esteem as the most important, all the way down to those that, that are being considered as the least important, we should honor all of them. Honor all men. You know, back in the days of the Roman Empire when this was written, um, the slaves were actually seen as less than human. They had absolutely no rights at all. You can treat him as a dog if you wanted to, and it was totally illegal. But Christians are not supposed to treat anybody like that. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter who, where they come from. It doesn't matter what they can or cannot do. It doesn't matter what their status in society is. It doesn't matter what they look like. We should honor, read it again, all men. Folks, I really don't understand how people can call themselves Christian and treat others like trash. And I just don't get that. For instance, and I think most of you expect this, but how can you be a racist and treat people that have just a different shade of skin than you and perhaps a different culture? How can you treat them as anything less than human and think that you are right with God? I don't get that. You know, I've... And it pains me to say this, but, but I've, I've heard stories of churches where they would actually stop the Sunday service if somebody, you know, so you've got most people this race, call it race or color, and then if somebody of a different color would come in, they would stop the service. And somebody would es escort them out, ask them to leave, and, and you know, go, go have your church at, at, at another place. Now, they have justifications for that, you know. They, they would say things like, well, we have the freedom to choose whoever we let into our service, all right? And, and that's already a problem, our service, but okay. We have the freedom to choose whoever we let into our service, and we think it's best that other cultures uh, stay outside or maybe just have their own church somewhere else. Folks, that is an exact example of using your Christian freedom as a cloak to hide that wickedness that is inside of your heart. You know, when Paul stood, uh, stood on Mars Hill, I think let's turn there, Acts chapter 17. Just um, keep your place here. But uh, if I can make my fingers work with me. In Acts 17, they brought Paul uh, before the Athenians and they... Um, had him stand there on Mars Hill and he, he, he wanted to explain to them who the one true God is. And I, we're just going to look at one verse, but I want you to see here in verse 26. 
So Paul is making the case, God is the creator. Verse 26, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth of one blood. We all have one daddy and that's Adam. That's it. We all come from Adam. I, don't, I, don't, I honestly don't see how people can miss that. Um, and, and even Christians, people calling themselves Christians and reading the Bible. I just don't get that. But folks, we should honor all men. doesn't matter where they come from or how they look because they were all made in the image of God just like Adam. That's the reason. Now, folks, it doesn't mean that we like everybody. Okay, There's a difference there. It doesn't mean that we even agree with everything that they do or even respect anything that they do. That, it, it's not that. We ought to give them the necessary respect because God created them. At least that much respect. At least that. So next he says here in verse 17, after honor all men, love the brotherhood. The brotherhood, that's the church. That's the church. But it's not just Bible Baptist church. <laughs> we're talking about the universal church. All right? Um, we're talking about the, the, the church that contains every single believer that exists. That's the body of Christ, like you said, brother. Now, this point of loving the brotherhood is actually something that Peter um, emphasizes in every single chapter of this epistle. Now, I found that interesting. Look with me at chapter 1 and, and verse 22. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. That's awesome. And then chapter 2, we already looked at verse 17, love the brotherhood. Let's go to chapter 3. And verse 8, it says, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, <laughs> be pitiful, be courteous. Look at chapter 4, chapter 4 and verse 8. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. Charity is another word for love. Have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. And then chapter 5 <laughs> and verse 14 he says, greet ye one another with a kiss of charity. Okay, just put on your mask first. But, <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, that's, that's perhaps something you won't see me doing, but yeah, um, anyway. But, but folks, it's not only just Peter that emphasizes that Jesus emphasized brotherly love. And in turn, the, the entire New Testament emphasizes brotherly love. So yeah, love the brotherhood. I think we understand that. We hear a lot about that. Check, we've got that. We understand that. But do you see how that goes hand in hand then with the first part, honor all men? It's, it's almost as if, as if Peter is putting those two on the same level, at least in this verse. I, I just found that interesting. So honor all men, love the brotherhood. Next he says, fear God. Fear God. That's not the type of fear, you know, that he, that he might send a lightning bolt your way if you don't come to church, okay? Um, instead, it, it, is, it is a fear that, that comes from a, a deep respect and an understanding of who God is. Um, it is the type of fear that, that obeys him. It's the type of fear that trusts him um, completely, 
with no reserves. You know, it, it, even though you might not understand exactly what is going on around you. That's the type of fear we're talking about here. If you fear him, you understand what happens if you disobey him. And you are totally fine with leaving all the solutions to all the problems that you see around you to him. That's fearing God. That is actually trusting God. Think about that next time we, we sing trust and obey. Uh, you know, one commentator wrote that this part, um, fear God, is actually perfectly placed in between everything that Peter mentions here um, you, to show how the fear of God actually influences the other, other parts. And I, I thought that was nice. He said that if you fear God, you will honor all men. You will sh- show respect to all men, whether they deserve more or less of it. Okay, some do deserve less of it, but some do deserve more. You will also have a genuine affectionate love for the, the, the body of Christ, for the brotherhood. Um, and lastly, you will also have a proper regard, as he says there at the end, honor the king. You will have a proper regard for, for those that are set in the high places of authority above us, if you fear God. And I think that makes sense to me. You know, if you have a healthy fear of God, um, those things should fall into place. Because if you don't fear him, well, then you will have no desire to obey him, would you? And, and so you won't be moved to do those things that, that please him. You won't really care about that. Maybe that's something to check your heart. You know, if, if you ask yourself, do I fear God? Well, do you want to obey him? <laughs> do you want to trust him? Now, the last part of this is in verse 17, honor the king. Honor the king. And that brings us full circle from verse 13. This uh, perfectly wraps up this, this entire section from verse 13 to 17, where he said, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the, for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme and governors and so on and so forth. You should honor the king. <laughs> okay? Folks, Peter's original audience, like I mentioned before, um, or, or a little bit earlier, they had Nero as their emperor. A totally wicked man. Totally wicked. Do yourself a favor and go read a little bit on that. Um, not too much because it will depress you. But he actively persecuted Christians. And Peter's telling them, honor the king. Does that put it into perspective? It, 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 it doesn't matter whatever he's doing, if he's persecuting Christians or whatever, you should honor the king. God wants us to show respect to whoever is placed in that position of authority above us. Now, in our case, it's not a, it's not a king, um, but instead it's a, it's a president with, with cabinet members and all of that that work with him and you know supposed to do a bunch of stuff. And the Lord expects us to honor them. That's the uncomfortable part, I think. It's not easy. I know it's not easy, especially if you look at the news. It's not easy. God wants us to honor them because they are in those positions. But I think it comes back to the fear of God. I think that if we fear God, that that part will, will become a little bit easier or, can I say, tolerable. Because this is definitely something that makes my flesh you know, crawl, if, if, if I think about that. And, and yeah, it's something I have to deal with. <laughs> something I think most of us have to deal with. 
I think um, that's enough for this part. The next section starts off the servants, and I don't think it would be wise to start that, uh, you know, and just get one verse in. So I think let's bow our heads and pray, and then we can go have some fellowship. Father, it really is difficult. I meant what I said. It, it is some of these things are hard for us because we're angry, because we're. Um, um, things are not getting done right and, and whatever, whatever else the reason may be. It, it, but Lord, by your Spirit, I believe we can do what you want us to do. Father, please help us. Please help us to obey your Word. Please help us, Lord, if, if, um, if we don't have enough fear and reverence for you. Lord, please show that to us. Show us where we are disobeying you, where we're not trusting you. And uh, Lord, because you are trustworthy. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Lord, please work in our hearts. Thank you for all that you do, Lord. And um, please bless the fellowship now. And um, please remind us of these things so that we just don't just go on and, and, and forget about it and just go back into the world and back the way we were before we came in here today. Please bless the following uh, service as well, Lord. May your name be glorified through it and Lord, please help Brother Garrett as he's preaching. And, and, but Lord, most of all, please work in our hearts and help us, Lord, that we may become more or, or turn more into the image of your Son. Thank you, Lord. Amen.